0: Hey, look out the East Coast. We are bringing the Cracked Podcast to the Now Hear This Podcast Festival in New York City this September. The whole festival runs September 8th through 10th. We're doing a special live show on Saturday the 9th at the Javits Center in Manhattan. There are some single-day tickets for Saturday. There are also still some three-day tickets that get you access to 25 live shows throughout the weekend. And the first hundred people to use our offer code CRACKED at checkout save 20 bucks on a three-day pass. That pass... Let's you see how did this get made? Doughboys, Larry Wilmore, Comedy Bang Bang, Planet Money, LeVar Burton Reads. You can see LeVar Burton. That alone should be bringing you to New York City as fast as possible. Go to NowHearThisFest.com to get your tickets. That's NowHearThisFest.com. Hey, podcast fans, Stitcher Premium is having a special sale for Labor Day. For a few days only, you can get your first three months of Stitcher Premium for just $1. That is not a lot of dollars, just one of them. It lets you hear exclusive shows as well as the full archives of your favorite Earwolf shows, including this one. A lot of people ask, how do I hear old cracked podcasts? Stitcher Premium. Also, those archives and new shows come with no ads, you know, because who needs them? Just go to stitcherpremium.com laborday Labor Day to get your first three months of that unlimited experience for just $1. Dollar. That's stitcherpremium.com slash Labor Day. No promo code needed. Just give them a dollar. On with the show. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Cracked Podcast. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I am also known as Schmitty the Clam, and I am also, also, in contact with aliens. Yeah, on today's episode, we speak with an alien. Technically, he's a comedian, an artist who writes in the voice of an alien, and his name is Johnny Sun, perhaps better known as his internet character, Jomney Sun, and this is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. And like I said, wow, an alien. Daniel O'Brien put us in touch with Johnny, and let me tell you what Daniel emailed about Johnny to me. Quote, he's a fascinating guy, and his book is lovely, and I truly believe he'll be a major player in the future of comedy and literature if I had a gun to my head and was asked to point out who was the next George Saunders or Simon Rich. It would be Johnny Sun. End quote. Mic drop, and I completely agree. We put our absolute favorite Johnny Sun tweets in the footnotes. Feel free to check them out before you hear the episode if you want to and you want to get more familiar with Johnny's work. They're tweets, so, you know, fast read, and you'll probably recognize them if you use Twitter. They've gotten around. But if you've never heard of Johnny Sun and you're too busy driving or saving orphans to check out the footnotes, do not worry. This episode is geared toward Johnny fans and toward people who don't know Johnny's work at all. Because it's an episode about Johnny that's also about online comedy that's secretly also about universal big things everyone cares about. And I mean everyone. For one thing, we dig into how to be creative in this episode. Johnny is everything from a comedian to an urban planning expert to a playwright. And I think that in talking to him, we uncover ways you can be that prolific, too. This episode's also about managing anxiety. It's about growing as a person. It's about the state of comedy writing, which is something that matters to you if you like Cracked. It's about living through the turbulent and terrible world of 2017, which is something that matters to you if you are alive. Um, Unless you're a zombie, white walker, or ghost with unfinished business, this episode is for you because we talked with the internet's most fascinating alien about how to be human. So please sit back or float around the ether and continue being a ghost, if you are a ghost who listens to the show, let me know about it, okay? Preferably in a non-spooky way. I scare easily. Anyway, please enjoy this talk with Cracked Daniel O'Brien and the world's one and only Johnny Sun. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. We're joined in the studio by CrackTone Daniel O'Brien. Hello. Yeah. And we're very excited. uh, Well, we're excited to be joined by you, but also excited (laughs) to be joined by the one and only Johnny Sun. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. I feel like you're most known for your Twitter presence. Should I describe it as at Jomny Sun? I guess it's at Johnny Sun. It's
1: at Johnny Sun. But but the the character's character's named Jomny Sun. Um, Right, right. But I, I, I go by Johnny or Jonathan or whatever you want to call me. Hey, idiot, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's, I feel like it's
0: not, but uh, <laughs> sure. I'm used to it.
2: <laughs> it was great for me to get, like, for my own fan theory confirmation that Jomini is the right pronunciation mm-hmm. of the alien name. That's good for me because I didn't know if yeah. either letter was supposed to be silent. So now I'm, it's good. I was right.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm not sure what the canon is on, on typos or anything. <laughs> People keep asking and I don't, I, I haven't, like, figured out the stance for it.
0: For one thing, I think the canon's up to you, but also (laughs) I was going to ask you if you have some kind of, uh, in case people don't know you, you have a, among many other things, Uh a Twitter account where you often tweet in character as an alien who is confused about human language named Jomny Sun. and. Also, there's sort of a almost glossary, I feel like of spelling decisions and grammar decisions, yeah, like yeah. I was going to plug the name of your book, and I don't know exactly <laughs> how to pronounce alien bin uh-huh. or alien or
1: or I just say everyone's yeah. an alien when you're an alien too. I just go for the I, I like that the corrected, yeah. or The regular, yeah.
0: Yeah, great, and it's an excellent. Uh, people should check it out. It's it's called as you said. Everyone's an alien. When you're an alien too, uh, with slightly different spelling. Yeah, if sounds. you look for
1: it in the bookstore, it's the one that's misspelled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I I've always seen it as like an aesthetic thing, right? Like as a it's um, a play on like the way the internet has like kind of messed around with language. It's kind of based on yeah. um, all those like kind of syntax plays and like aesthetic plays mm-hmm. that that you see online. That's cool. Like, do you have a
2: dictionary of these are how? Every one of these words are spelled in, in, yeah, i in mean, your brain in this voice.
1: Yeah, I mean I had that um I had that kind of like figured out uh pretty organically as I was doing it. And then um for the book I actually had to make like a glossary and like a style guide for the copy editor. Because it, oh, sure. It, sure. if you imagine it's kind of a nightmare to like have to copy edit a book with intentional spelling <laughs> mistakes and typos and stuff. <laughs> and so I yeah. like I, I did come up with this like this um This document of like well if you see a typo that's kind of like this that's intentional because of these reasons um so the copy editor had like two jobs one to like find all the typos and then the other one is to like cross-check all (laughs) those typos with the ones that like should be allowed to find like the actual mistakes that's, that's so cool. It was <laughs> <wild>. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun to do.
0: I want to know like everything that's in that document. I yeah. guess I was <laughs> like, one uh, There, there was a past episode way back when, but uh, Daniel and I were talking about uh, Chuck Jones, who is a famous Looney Tunes creator. And yeah. He had a specific list of rules for Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner cartoons. Oh, really? Just the logic of it. And it's online, I think it's like eight or nine rules, but it's very specific things about like physics will always be the villain and, and things will always be the coyote's fault. And oh, you just that's have to amazing. do these particular things if you're going to do the, the cartoons. And. It's so specific, but I'm yeah. way into the creative documents
1: outlining format. I yeah, guess. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, for like for a lot of the um, the style guide was kind of basically like the typos um, originated as like keyboard effects kind of. And so a lot of them um, were basically just like adjacencies on keyboards. So oh. whenever there's like an N, um, the two letters next to the N are like a B and an M. And so, like, it, it, you're oh, kind of cool. like, so you swap the N out or you, like, hit the N and that extra character is kind of like mm-hmm. the fat, fat thumbs thing. Yeah. N is, like, the most common letter that also has, like, adjacent syllables that are kind of similar to N. You can kind of play with that and, and kind of have fun with that. I, I was trying to, like, figure out other, like, fat thumbs kind of things. And there aren't that many on, on a traditional QWERTY keyboard that, that you can kind of swap out different letters for.
0: Yeah, now I'm running back through the book in my head, like there's part where he's talking about his Plam nut and like okay, right, that that's because that's (laughs) M's next to N and and there you go.
1: And for some reason I think we've all made mistakes like that. Certainly. And so you you kinda see it and you're like, Okay, I get that and you like you kind of like note it but you parse through it. Like it it kinda just you kinda skip it, I think, in your head, or you you kind of accept it and you're like, Oh, okay. I I get that, I guess. Yeah. It makes total (laughs) sense. Yeah. yeah, the idea of like logic and systems and and um, like the Looney Tune thing is so cool. That's so interesting.
2: Big fan of rules over here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Numbered lists of, of, yeah. of rules. And we're things. all <laughs> we're all taking turns to speak. I'm pointing yes, and yes, uh, yes.
0: conducting. I'm very good at it. There's so many different things you're doing that I would like to talk to you about because I feel like your Twitter is so visible by its nature. Like we can mm. see what you're doing with it and what the character is, yeah. but in Reading about you, you're also a researcher, you're an architect, you're in, in studying urban planning, you're a visual artist, you're a playwright, there are all mm-hmm. sorts of different artistic endeavors you're up to. What are you most focused on at this moment? Like what? At are you... this moment, at this yeah. Yeah. very
1: moment, I think I'm like I'm I'm trying to just like sit and like relax and enjoy the book being done because that was like my yeah. biggest my biggest like creative project to date. It took about one and a half years to do to write and illustrate the whole thing and it it just came out and I'm still trying to like to have it out there and, and to, to kind of let it sit with me and like figure out what it means doesn't so. sound like that's enough for Alex though he wants more he <laughs> wants than, so stop I, resting yeah. and being lazy exactly. thanks mom thanks
0: dad yeah you should be <laughs> sculpting as we speak exactly. I don't care <laughs> about the notice
2: level let's yeah. do this Alex has already read the book so it's over now
1: it's over yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that <laughs> is like the pressure that, that I feel now like I mean I think everyone feels that oh, it's oh, like, oh, it's oh, like yeah. you make the thing <laughs> and it's no longer like oh you're done it's like okay what's next like yeah. it, it's done now like what the people are already asking me, like, what's if, if there's gonna be like a second book or like what the next projects are. And I, I'm just trying to like get a lay of the land yeah. and kind of see what, what happens.
2: It is, yeah. I related that, it's very difficult. I wrote a couple of books and the first one came out and people. Would tweet like, I love this so much. I
1: read it in one sitting.
2: Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I, know, it was like <laughs> I researched it for eight years.
1: <laughs> but that is such a strange imbalance. Like the consumption, like the culture of like, con- like of mass rapid consumption is right. just. Um, there's a total imbalance between like how much you put into it and how fast like people go through it. But it's it's yeah. also cool. Like it's it's cool that it you can have it out to so many people and they can all like, kind of take it in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. that rate of consumption I'm even seeing that with just the medium of podcasting like, uh-huh. I'm reading a lot about people and I haven't really tried it I feel like I would not like the experience but people who listen to podcasts at one and a half times speed or double speed oh yeah and like, that's
2: an option that's a thing
0: yeah, most, I uh, think the standard Apple Apple podcast app and other, other apps too, you can set it up so it just plays it at a much faster rate of speed. Oh, and wow. apparently before that function existed, people were just manually doing that. Like they'd download it, put it in editing software, speed it up, yeah. and put it back on their device.
2: That's so bizarre. That doesn't
0: sound yeah. enjoyable. Doesn't and we're making fun. as many of these as we can,
1: man. Yeah. You know, like, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get around that, we just have to talk really fast. Right. Yeah. Like we just have to have a, a 1.5 times conversation <laughs> and then like and hack that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i used to be in a class in engineering where like we none of us went to class but we had all the recordings from the professor and we did that we like listened to it at two times speed to try to like cram all the the stuff that he said before oh, we mm-hmm. like when we we're studying for the exams it was a nightmare like i don't i don't know how you could possibly keep up right
2: and that's something you're doing not for any kind of sense of enjoyment at all yeah. which is what podcasts should be podcasts are your friends,
1: to you. Right, they are your friends. <laughs> I've, I've heard of people like kind of speed watching game of thrones and stuff um and just like those super serialized tv really? shows just to get the plot like it's not I'm like so curious about what that does because I've never watched like a movie or a tv show sped up mm-hmm. yeah I think there's so much about like just being in the moment and like letting the pacing kind of like you have to surrender yourself to the to the thing yeah and like controlling the timing of that is is strange to me Do you think they're doing it to be people who are on top of everything
0: and people who are like in our culture succeeding at being versed in the culture?
1: A lot of it now is just like um, knowing the information and less so about like enjoying it or like just like taking the time with it. It's just like as a culture we care about knowing things, right? We care about the knowledge of it, not necessarily the process of.
2: That's so divorced from how I've ever consumed anything. I think I'm uh, just like a very faithful purist to whatever form. I think the person who made it wants me to mm-hmm. see it in. Mm-hmm. Like, I've certainly binged TV shows that weren't meant for that because I got to them late. But in general, like, Netflix comes out with a show that I know they want me to binge, so I'm going to do that. But in general, I like waiting a week for shows. Yeah. And I like seeing movies in theaters where I feel like it was designed for you to go and see it in a theater. And maybe that's born out of just, like, my personal <laughs> preference or my reaction when people have emailed us to talk about watching our videos or reading our articles on their phones. I like... That's not. I made it for a much bigger screen than that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the words are supposed to be bigger.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What about all the details? And then they blow it up and see my face, and I'm like, no, phone again, phone again. That was a great way. I think I even had that intended medium thought about ebooks when they first came out, uh, uh, not that long ago. Some part of me was like, no, no, authors intended for trees to die. For <laughs> they intended for me to handle it physically and flip it. Yeah.
2: I wrote about it for the site, like the day the Kindle was announced. I was like, this is this is going down. This is a stupid idea. No one's
1: going to want this. Uh, books for life.
3: Yeah.
1: No one's going to want, like, a, an easier, convenient way to yeah. carry a hundred books in
2: their pocket. Where would you take that? The beach on vacation? Please.
1: But I'm, I mean, I'm totally a book purist, too. I, like, I don't read ebooks. I, like, yeah. I still find it so foreign. Like, I've never had a Kindle or, like, a a thing yeah, mm-hmm. um so i like i don't get it and my girlfriend does and i like kind of watch her read it, and i, I just like feels so strange to me i love having yeah, the object yeah. of the book and like i think there's something so special about having an object and yeah, having it really. like a physical yeah thing. i do too. I,
2: I i like books i like having lots of them I, I i i commit egregious crimes of of writing often in pen in the books that that that, that that i read yeah it's it's yeah, a lot of times it's like oh. notes for myself or like i'll underline a thing that i really like cuz i reread books all the time and yeah sometimes it's very hard on yourself stuff where I'll get to a passage where I've underlined something and then I write next to it, you will never write anything that's good. I'm like, okay, good <laughs> yeah. note, good note.
3: <laughs> but in general, just like
2: I make it a personal thing and then it becomes even more fun when like you lend a book to someone and it's like, hey, you're gonna find some weird stuff yeah. that speaks to whatever I was going through in 2014. Yeah. And some jokes that I like. So
1: I'm totally on board with that. But I yeah. do that too. I like dog ear the things I oh. highlight, I write notes. Sometimes like because I was I was reading on the beach um, over spring break, like, a bunch of academic books mm-hmm. about, like, social media and, like, psychology and stuff. And as I was doing that, I, like, come across a passage that underlined it and then I'd be like, wait a minute, this makes me think of something. And then I'd, like, in the margins, I'd scribble, like, a sketch or, like, a few <laughs> jokes. And so now I have, like, a bunch of these kind of, like, social science textbooks that all have, like, comedy like, notes in the margins and stuff. That's great. Um, Just, like, very funny to me and probably very strange
3: to everybody else.
1: Man, you could flip those for so much money. not
3: Not to be crass, but
0: dude <laughs> one etsy page i'm telling yeah. you and thinking about can i i thought about oh because I've, I've been following you for years on twitter yeah. and i thought like i can't wait to look back on twitter and look on like how his profile evolved it's not really a mechanism for doing that i remember yeah. it's not built for it but uh-huh. as i remember it the jomni character was pretty clearly formed from jump or at least from early on. Like, what yeah. was the process like creating that?
1: Well, I mean, it was it was kind of like the discovery of, like, quote, quote, weird Twitter, unquote, unquote. Like, the whatever <laughs> yeah, the yeah. massive blob of, like, um, strange Twitter comedy writer people was at the time. I think, like, I, I kind of entered it when it, it was almost sort of tangible and formed. Yeah. And so, like, a bunch of, like, the big guys like Drill and other people were already there. But what I loved about them was they were kind of playing with the medium. And they were playing with, like, Twitter as a very specific medium and, like, a platform for comedy that had its differences from everything else. Yeah. Because, like, if you looked at, like, the traditional stand-ups that were on Twitter at the time, they were kind of just, like, flipping their, like, one-liners on stage into, like, tweets, and they were, like, perfectly spelled. Everything was just, it was just, like, it was kind of just, like, bland because you were, like, oh, this wasn't the medium that, like, this joke was intended for. Like, this joke was intended to be, like, read or performed in front of people right the quote weird twitter i have to say quote unquote every time (laughs) but like those like those tweeters and those writers um understood that like twitter was a a platform unto itself yeah and so with that came like a lot of um like the aesthetic stuff and like changing syntax and changing grammar just because this is a medium that's meant to be read it's like Mm text-based and so with that you you can you can change a lot of the way it looks and the way it kind of the way somebody reads it in order to like create a voice and create like a, a message or an aesthetic or something So, like, that was kind of what I was inspired by. And, like, people always say, like, I'm the only person who does typos and stuff, but Mm -hmm. that's not true at all. (laughs) Like, I think I kind of, like, was the one foolhardy enough to, like, stick with it for so long. But, um, But back then, everyone was kind of, like, messing with that, and so I was kind of playing in the tradition of that. And you mentioned weird Twitter. I I think we know what that is. uh, With
2: some some quotes though, Alex. Oh yeah, a lot of builds. There was a lot of physical of that. I I was was conducting it because again, I'm conducting
0: a whole interview physically. I'd like to talk a little more about Codifying what that is exactly
1: in case sure. people listening don't know. The label of it kind of started around I think two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. Yeah. But before then it was just a bunch of writers and kind of people who generally were had anonymous kind of accounts. Which was also cool because it was like, Oh, these people aren't using it to like advance their careers. They're just like a bunch of people who like found a place online to like kind of tell jokes to each other yeah, and kind of like mess around and like play. And that was really appealing and it was very cool. It was like finding a writer's room in this like weird corner of the internet. Yeah. So that's how it felt to me. Um, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. It's, it was just like a very strange, loosely connected. Some of it was like very poetic. Some of it was very subversive. It's still, and it always has been like very anti-corporation and like anti-brands. Yeah. It's always been kind of like resistant to that. Because I think you're right on about it, in particular
0: being relatively anonymous. Not that yeah. the people involved don't have personas and, and characteristics, yeah. but it tends to be hell, Homer, or, or pixelated boat, or, yeah, or yeah. Drill, which is just at Drill, but also named Wint, but also a really grainy picture of Jack Nicholson. <laughs> right. you know? Almost nobody involved is like. And check out my pilot script Right, exactly. Here, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: like all of the 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 sub twitters is one of the the last, like, organic-seeming communities that have popped up on the internet. Like, mm, I didn't know yeah. about any of these. I thought there was just, like, Daniel's Twitter. And, and like and the, everybody <laughs> else. Right. <laughs> and uh, learning over time, that, like, oh, there's weird Twitter, here's like this, and if you can stumble into it. And even that, it's so it's so specific, and it's so it's such a hidden community, because I can't say, here's where you go to find weird
1: Twitter. Yeah, it's not like twitter.com slash weird.
2: Right, right, right. And yeah. uh, that's yeah. really... Yeah. Cool to me. I'm I'm certainly not part of it, but like, super fun and happy that like this exists. Because I also, (laughs) as time has gone on, I started like, oh, there's also lawyer Twitter. Like, they're like all all law students who have found each other and like are doing their own like law thing. Like, this is great. Yeah, everybody's friends and they're finding each other and this is good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There are so many Twitter communities, and like weird Twitter has been weird because it. it, I mean, it's been strange because it's um. It used to be like this very unknown thing, and that was like the fun of it. It was kind of like we were flying under the radar of like yeah, everyone right. else. And like one of my favorite tweets was from like from that time was a user named Ideat, I D E A O T. Okay. I think. Yeah. And and he wrote like I don't think we're using Twitter the way it was intended to. And that kind of was like the <laughs> mantra of the entire thing is like how do we break how do we break the system and how do we just like how do we do stuff that was originally supposed to just like be status updates and like yeah. I'm eating a sandwich or like I'm going here for vacation. And
0: also I think it's Sort of a lucky accident. I, f- I feel like a lot of... As we said, like there's no
2: twitter.com slash weird. Like, yeah. Twitter is...
1: Well, there is. It's probably a username.
3: Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, right. It's, probably...
2: yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a no-nonsense. That nonsense. That's just his last name. <laughs> yeah, yeah name. right. His <laughs> name's <It's> <laughs> weird.
1: He's a. Lo- he's actually part of law Twitter. RTs yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. are not endorsements, <laughs> yeah. period. Uh, yes. Please Very straightforward. reach out to me. It is Judge Weird. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
0: In many ways, Twitter as a service is poorly constructed and poorly put together. Mm. Uh, Mm That might just be my crackpot opinion, but (laughs) it leads to some happy accidents like that where weird Twitter can just exist and be, and it's almost cloistered off Partly by uh, knowing about it or being able to find it. You right. Know what I mean? Like yeah, it, d- yeah. it didn't get swarmed by a bunch of bots as soon as it was. Right. A yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And and that's kind of like what happened. Once it became like a, a tangible enough thing, people yeah. just started swarming in and trying to like take the aesthetic of it and then corporations and like the Denny's Twitter and like the IHOP yeah. Twitter and all these like, oh, right. ra- like <laughs> Wendy's and like all these random um, brands started being like, oh, we can like use this voice to like sell our stuff. And now it's kind of all dispersed. And, like, what's cool is, though, you've seen the voice of, like, weird Twitter be kind of propagated everywhere. Like, now now yeah. all, most mm-hmm. of Twitter has at least some sort of semblance of, like, that kind of style or that, I would that agree kind with of that, voice, yeah. right? The example I think of is Rob Delaney, where it's a mainstream
0: comedian famous yeah. for Twitter, but also elements of weird Twitter in his work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Somewhat.
0: And, like, yeah. you'll see things like that, and I'll also see... Specific tweets from the world of weird Twitter be touchstones. Like Drill's tweet about the Betsy Ross Museum, yeah, is something I see other comedians reference. If listeners are listening and don't use Twitter, they're <laughs> yeah, so we're lost. So sorry.
1: Uh, <laughs> and but, just fast forward, I guess. But yeah, it's great. make
2: make it even faster than you're currently
1: listening. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and to do that, so now we have to talk really slow, yeah, so that <laughs> they can't <laughs>
3: skip this. Part. Right, right. I don't want to be chipmunks. Yeah. So it's <laughs> offensive to me.
1: I'm so interested in how, like, different those, like, tweets and those cultural touchdowns become, like, part of just the lexicon of, like, even, like, the way journalists and, like, news sources talk about um, yeah. information on Twitter. Like, one of them is um, this great joke by, I think it was by Pixelated Boat that went like everybody's in love with this new the, yeah. the milkshake duck, this yeah. adorable duck that loves milkshake. And then five <laughs> seconds later we regret to inform you the milkshake duck is racist. <laughs> right. <laughs> but milkshake ducking is now like a thing. A thing of, of, yeah, yeah. It's it's of like someone going super viral and then immediately getting exposed as like this horrible person.
0: Yeah, or even strange. I think I first knew about the milkshake duck reference in reference to Ken Bone, who
3: was his own Twitter
0: phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. And the the main thing that came out about him was like his Reddit account was involved in a lot of like uh, pregnant women fetish stuff. Yeah, and again, sorry everyone.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah, we great. can move on from this. <laughs> this <topic. laughs>
0: and yeah, it is it the, the way it, that spills back and forth is fascinating to me. Yeah, as far as your account, like how. How much do you delineate or try to balance the character, the alien, Jomney Sun, yeah. versus the actual person, Jonathan son?
1: Well, I actually spend, like, very little thought um, in, like, in creating a separation. Like, for me, I, yeah. I've always seen, like, my Twitter account is just, like, me. It's just an identity. And, like, this kind of has led me to researching, like, identity and online identity and just, um, like, what the internet has done for, like, self-expression and for expression of identity and stuff because I've always seen the account as just, like, an identity that I've constructed for an online space. It's not like I created a character to talk through or to write for. It was kind of just like, this, was, this is me inhabiting this space, which is, I think, a very different thing, right? To yeah. write for a character versus just to write as a different identity or as a a specific voice.
3: Yeah.
1: I kind of just see it as me. And like I, I, when I have jokes, I'll just like, I'll just throw them out there. And I, I treat Twitter as like this writer's notebook kind of, or like this writer's sketchbook where you just kind of like throw ideas out and see what works and what sticks. And it's helped me kind of figure out the stuff I care about because I, I mean, I was on Twitter for doing this for like four years before I thought of doing a book. Mm -hmm. And when I um, had this idea to kind of be like, oh, maybe I should, like, I've always wanted to do a book. I've I've always, like, thought about it. And then I had four years of material to go through. I would Mm. just, like, go through um, the old tweets and kind of look at recurring themes and and stuff kept popping up, like um, a lot of stuff about mental health, a lot of stuff about, like, outsiderness and, like, alienation. And through that, I was kind of like, oh, there are things that I already know I like to write about and that um, seem to have started like shaping just by the simple fact that I was writing every day on it.
0: Are those things that kept coming up in the account, I would assume there are things that keep coming up in just your own life and thoughts and, and yeah. things you're fixing on?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I started writing um, like originally because I'm a Canadian. I, was, I grew up in Toronto and I moved to the, to the U.S. for school and i started yeah. writing just at the same time i moved to the us because i used to like be part of like comedy circles in toronto and i had a sketch comedy show with a bunch of my friends and like i hung out with all my comedy friends in toronto and then when I cool. moved, I like couldn't write comedy with them anymore. So I I kind of found this Twitter thing and like this online space, and I was like, oh okay, I'll write comedy here. Yeah. But when I started that, I was I was feeling like a strange like a stranger in a different country. Sure. Like Canada and the U.S. are pretty similar, but also very different in like really weird yeah. ways. Like there's a, a bit of a culture shock. There's a bit of like a very uncanny valley kind of thing.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Um, and I couldn't place my finger on it, but I was like, "Oh, this feels weird and different." So that's where like the that outsider perspective and that alien perspective came from. And I've kind of just stuck with it.
0: And and what part of Canada did you grow up in? You, or, like you, Tor- Toronto, Toronto was the big city, but yeah. Yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah, just right, right downtown. Cool. Yeah. And then you and I believe you moved
1: to Boston, right? Ar- that... I moved to New Haven for architecture. Oh, I, New Haven, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is a total strange place in itself. Yeah. New Haven, Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's strange about it? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it. I mean I I went to school at Yale for architecture yeah. for my masters and the world is just insane because it's it's uh there's basically like this the university there's Yale and then um a block outside of it is just like extreme poverty. It's I think oh. one of the top 5 like most dangerous in terms of like crime rate um mm-hmm. cities in the US or something. But it's just it's striking because we were told not to like cross the street and we were told like not to like venture too far from the school. It's a very sad kind of place and a sad situation. And then the institution itself is just like crazy. It's like super elitist and all the kind of bad things you hear about places like Yale is kind of true. Oh
3: okay. yeah,
1: um, it's just very insular and like there's a lot of politics and internal stuff and a lot of like power structure stuff and Because
3: I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of curious about it on its own. Like I, I almost imagine it as a space that also feels sort of out of time like it was you know it it groomed presidents and it's all made of stone you
1: know and so then
0: to be next to a rest of a city like that it must be really strange
1: yeah it it totally was and especially in the architecture school um architecture is a field i think that is one of the ones that is a bit trapped in time and like Mm -hmm. slow to change um partially because it's just like the the medium like buildings Last for like hundreds of yeah. years, right We did them all we made all the buildings. Yeah exactly. <laughs> but, like, but like the conversation <laughs> like the conversation that architects are still in is kind of like well let's study like the stuff that happened in the '60s, like the modernist and the postmodernist stuff mm-hmm. and that that was kind of like what we were still talking about 50 years later. and so I think just the lifespan <laughs> of that is um, you're constantly looking backwards and so it's kind of stuck in history a bit. Yeah. So it feels really out of time. it, it does feel like you're kind of jumping into the past. In a weird way,
2: yeah. I mean, architecture and you got your grad school for urban planning, is that right? Or, or yeah, yeah, and
1: so now I'm doing my PhD in urban yeah. planning.
2: That's the what I found very fascinating about you. when I, uh, We first started talking a couple years ago uh, uh, about possibly writing something for Correct. Yeah. And you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I, I'm just going into grad school for urban planning now. And I just thought... Oh, you have multiple interests. <laughs> oh, that's weird.
3: What's that like? <laughs>
1: well, I, I like still have it in the back of my head because I remember when we were talking about that, I and mean, right. I, I, every time I like come across like interesting like theories or notable things. I like kind of file it away because I'm like, okay, if I if I ever have the chance to or like the time to sit down and like plot all this stuff out. Oh sure. Yeah. yeah, cool. <laughs>
0: yeah. You mean like like plot it out for cracked? Like Yeah uh, or yeah. Or
3: really like yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I, I, like, still have that.
1: so now I'm on the hook. Now that I said that well, No I mean, that's uh, that's incredibly thoughtful of yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Don't I mean, worry I mean,
2: about it. I'm I'm <laughs> glad that that. that that this brought us here, and and you guaranteed on paper in front of everyone, including <laughs> exactly. the Lord, that you would write yeah.
0: for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, we triple back up this audio immediately. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. You'll yeah, never get out of
2: it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am just curious, uh, what is as as someone who like only does this thing, does mm. does does comedy stuff thing. Yeah. Tell me about architecture. Like I'm trying to phrase yeah. that in like a smart way. Sure, but yeah. you're a, an oddity as far as everyone in my community, my circle that I've I've come across in the comedy world that right. you're like still doing a thing that is uh, important, more important. <laughs> yeah, well, <let's... laughs> yeah,
0: and also the specifics of the programs. You got a master's in architecture at Yale, mm-hmm. and then you're in a you're a PhD candidate or, or student, student. Yeah, student. yeah. yeah. at um, MIT, it's the Department of Urban Planning. Is yeah, right? yeah, yeah,
1: urban studies and planning. And I like at MIT, I'm actually stu- I'm mainly trying to study like online communities and like what it means. Cool. Like I'm like the Twitter experience has kind of thrown me into like a different field and a different set of interests than I came in with. Yeah. So I'm trying to look at like how people gather online and, like, what the influences of that are back onto the city. Um, A lot of that stuff is kind of, like, studying, um, like, online protests, movements, and, like, like the Occupy movement or, like, the Black Lives Matter, Ferguson protests and stuff like that because a lot of that was really facilitated by the internet, right? Like, you couldn't find out about Ferguson unless you were on Twitter. Like, that's where all the news broke. And then all that activity, it, it kind of forced everyone else to kind of be like, okay, we have to talk about this. But it was kind of this fascinating, like, offline, online, offline kind of Dynamic, wow! But I mean, right now, I, so architecture school was um, strange because you were stuck in New Haven. Architecture weren't is... allowed to cross the street. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> um, and and architecture is like architecture school is an all-encompassing thing. It's like sixteen to eighteen hours a day, Oof. and they just push you mm. and push you. And like I don't know if you know any architecture students. You I know, don't. I know I one graduate, actually. yeah, yeah. Um, and
0: they, they've said similar things. Yeah, like, and all the time. Because I well, I, I went to Syracuse and. For one thing, I think that a city with a college in it experience is not totally unique to New Haven. Like yeah, Syrac- totally. Syracuse was sort of a strange experience where. The campus was very nice, and the city had also put a lot of money into a mall kind of on the outskirts of it. They were trying to build the next largest mall. And then a lot of everything in between was uh, struggling. I was sort of depressed. Like the carrier plants had left, and you know. That was uh, true
2: of Rutgers, where I went as well. I guess I I, I only get surprised when it's Yale. Right.
3: Yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yale's where
2: they build presidents, like like Schmidt said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: They put the (laughs) bones together and skin (laughs) over them. Right. And they remind uh, you of that every day
0: (laughs) (laughs) and also and then the Syracuse has a a very good architecture school and, and the people I knew in it were it was sort of its own building with like it's sort of like what I've read about uh, aircraft carriers, where it's an entire town within oh, yeah. it, like all the elements of a town are inside an aircraft right. carrier. Yeah. the architecture school kind of had that. Like it had meals and like a little commissary and like a corner store oh, yeah. and like it was because they were there all of the time.
1: Yeah, every yeah. I think every architecture school I've been to is like it's just a, a large building. It's a large complex. All the architecture students like go to like all the classes are there. All the students are there. All the studio spaces are there. Yeah, it's like this insular little thing that you don't really like venture out of. Like our building was insane because it was a a giant concrete bunker basically. It was like a brutalist structure designed by Paul Rudolph and like a very nice and like and um, well like well composed and well designed in terms of like architecture but also from the outside it's just like a concrete castle. Yeah, Yeah. And they do that because the only way out is to build your own building out of it. (laughs) All of my
3: architecture jokes are very pedestrian.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Very clearly don't
1: know what modern architecture (laughs) involves. (laughs) But yeah we had like a a deli and a coffee shop on the first floor because that's how far you could go away wow. from your your desk to like get sustenance yeah. like a block away was too far sometimes and it was it's just like this insane lifestyle i don't really recommend it to well, and, that many people,
3: <laughs> and also, and
0: it sounds like you're saying prior to uh, getting so interested in Twitter and online spaces, you were studying pure architect, like uh, what I would think of as it's not called regular
1: architecture, but but, uh, <laughs> but the like construction design, of buildings, yeah, like designing yeah. buildings, and yeah. <laughs> and um, like my so my bachelor's was in engineering, and I um, I thought like when I was doing engineering, I was also like writing plays and doing comedy and sketches and um, trying to like do theater and writing. Um, And then I was like, well, I have an engineering degree. What can I do that's kind of creative that sort of uses engineering and architecture? Because I had gotten my degree in like basically like city engineering, like Mm -hmm. infrastructural engineering. And um, so I was like, okay, well, that plus creative work is sort of like architecture, like architecture is kind of like art school, but also in theory requires like a knowledge of like physics and like structures and and all that stuff. So that's kind of where I ended up. But yeah, I mean, during that time, I was kind of just designing buildings and like and going to class and like doing studios where you learned how to draw better and you learned how to kind of do compositions and figure out like the the design and the structure and all the theory behind like architecture. So it was like regular architecture. <laughs> I can't believe that term worked. Uh,
0: <laughs> it sounds like you have. Pursued grad school and and academia, academia in a way that you thought would foster creativity within itself. But uh, yeah. do you find it helpful as a as far as creative work and a creative mindset yeah. to be in school? Like, is it a, a boost? Yeah,
1: I always yeah. like I'm I'm always like an advocate for the kind of like the multidisciplinary kind of like having a, a hand in like a bunch of different things. Well, like the one thing is that being in like say two different fields, those things inform each other in really weird ways. Mm-hmm. Like, while I was doing architecture, I was also um, taking some classes at the School of Drama and, like, trying to write plays. And the play that kind of came out of that time was, basically, I was, like, taking my, like, what I loved about architecture, which was the idea that you could, like, unite people in a space. And, like, the space really plays a role in kind of, like, bringing people together, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, And there's, like, qualities of that 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 influence how people behave and interact and kind of perceive themselves and others and, like, where they are and everything. But I I wrote a play that was set in um, a diner, and it was three tables. Yeah, is it called Fried Mussels? It's called Fried Mussels, yeah. And it's three tables and two people at each table, and it's essentially they're each having their own conversation. But by virtue of all being in the same space, those conversations start to get, like, overheard and, like, eavesdropped. And so, like, they're going on at the same time, but they're also influencing all the other conversations. So it's kind of, like, this fun puzzle. But it's, it really is, like, this um, thesis of, like, the importance of, like, sharing space together. So that was kind of, like, one way that flipped into the other thing. Yeah. And then when I was doing comedy and um, and kind of writing and creative work That kind of flipped back into architecture because I got really interested in, like, number one, how people experience space, but also how to, like, create narratives of spaces. So instead of, like, designing just a building as, like, a building, um, what the idea of, like, entering the building and, like, moving through it or designing, like, a street or, like, a city, how you can kind of, like, shape a bunch of sequential kind of experiences through it. Yes. Yeah, well, well, shit. It's <laughs> yeah. real interesting.
2: <laughs> so you've really been
0: doing one thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's how
2: I That's how I, I was so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's also why it's clear to me now why all of my plays are interior office of an internet comedy writer <laughs> <laughs> he sits he writes this play
1: <laughs> but it um, but it has always felt like well it's all kind of like I don't know how to explain that it's all kind of the same thing because it's like coming from like all my mm-hmm. own interests but it I think it did, did, yeah, really yeah it was elderly, pretty effective. yeah yeah yeah, was, yeah cool yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: This podcast is brought to you by Alfred A. Knopf, publisher of Seance Infernal, a dark, fast-paced, and thrilling debut novel from Jonathan do I Do I sound like a good trailer guy? I want to be a good trailer guy for this. You know, it's a lost art, movies, where they have a voiceover guy. Let's see if I can do it. A lost film few have ever seen. A mystery in the depths of Edinburgh. A deadly secret. Movie memorabilia dealer Alex Whitman. Hey, my name's Alex. Weird. ...is hired to travel to Scotland to track down what could be the first film ever made. Its creator, Augustine Sekuler, is considered by those in the know to be the true inventor of motion pictures, but just before he what? That's a little too intense. But just before he was to present his invention to the world, Seculer vanished, never to be heard from again, as Alex, yeah, chases curious riddles and chilling secrets through the twisted streets of Edinburgh. That's a cool phrase. He finds himself unraveling a dangerous puzzle that could cost him his life. Praised by Publishers Weekly as a Da Vinci Code-esque scavenger hunt, Seance Infernal is a haunting, compelling, and unputdownable read that will have you gasping and guessing until the last page. Yeah, I'd give myself like an A on that. That went really good. Start reading now by visiting prh.com seance. That's prh.com slash s-e-a-n-c-e. Hey there, friend. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best, candidates. Because finding great talent, oh man, it can be tough. Thankfully, with Zip Recruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then, their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is better than other job sites. Over 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. That's faster than an Amazon delivery. There is no juggling emails or calls to your office, all those people like, do oh, jobs! No, use the internet. Make it easy. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That is right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com cracked. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash cracked. One more time to try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com cracked. That your your current work at MIT it's it's uh, driven by online spaces and how those work and how those function. Mm-hmm. Based on this, I assume Tiny Care Bot and Tiny Dot Blot are yeah. and I'll, our elements of that are connected to that.
1: Actually, like they were not like they weren't designed as like research projects. They were kind of just designed as like why I took a class and we talked about like Twitter bots and I was like yeah. oh I'm gonna I'm gonna build one now and <laughs> yeah. I just like did it just because I thought it would be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. Tiny Care Bot is um, basically a bot on Twitter that every hour tweets like a self-care mm-hmm. reminder. It's um, like for me, it, it's uh, it's always important for me to have made them all actionable, so they're all thing They're not like um, like positivity mantras, which are like a different thing. Mm-hmm. But oh, these yeah. are just like get a sip of water or look out the window or step outside or just like things for me that I need to see to like kind of break my like scrolling mm-hmm. um, kind of hypnosis that you get on
2: Twitter. Yeah. I think you're a wonderful person, and I'm 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 glad we're all here together. I have tiny about, and I I do almost everything that it tells me to do. <laughs> but every once in a while, I'll be in a terrible mood, and there's a lot of work stuff that needs to happen. Oh yeah, and this thing will pop up and be like. Don't forget to stand up and stretch and I'm like, not today, you yeah. fucker. Get out of my face. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you have time to stretch. <laughs>
1: not today, you little shit. <laughs> I feel that way too, but like that's exactly why I like I made right. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah <right. laughs> because without it. I mean I, I built that um I, I made that in November of twenty sixteen because that was the a time of like extreme kind of grief Yeah, was anything like, going on then? Oh yeah, Thanksgiving. No, 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 it, it was Rough Thanksgiving. It's it's hard to like go practice <laughs> your family sometimes and the
3: beliefs and everything.
1: <laughs> but um that that was Tiny CareBot and it was because yeah. I was like in bed right after the election. I was I just like I couldn't get out of bed. I like was um going through like extreme depressive episodes and I couldn't, I, like, just kept getting sucked onto, like, I kept scrolling through Twitter because I was just, like, uh, an endless machine of, like, bad news um, and also just, like, yeah. sparks in your brain and all yeah. that stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, if ma- maybe if I make this thing, it'll, like, make me a little more conscientious about, about like, doing some of that other stuff.
3: So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But that's, that's where I came from. And What's the yeah, other one? The other one's called Tiny Dot Blot. That's a different idea. Um, it's it's a little art bot that creates, like, symmetrical dot patterns. And so it was kind of like Rorschach tests.
2: Oh, you made that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was yours. Yeah, I I, I yeah. had I had, oh, cool. I <laughs> had to
0: re- <laughs> re-look up what the name was. I initially remembered oh, it. Oh, cool, it was, like, Thanks. yeah. Oh, it's it's the bo- the blocks. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so it, like, creates, like, little...
1: it. They almost look like Rorschach tests, mm-hmm. except they're, like, little dots. Um, yeah. So they're kind of, like, pixelated, like, Space Invader-type Rorschach tests. Yeah. And the idea for that was kind of just, like it asks you like what you see in that pattern and the idea was just to like get people to comment on each of those tweets with yeah. like their interpretations
2: people have really cool answers for that i feel like there's something wrong with my brain cuz i go through that feed and i'm like what do you see crab a crab that's a crab too they're all crabs they everything looks, crab. looks like I, I can convince myself that they're all crabs
1: <laughs> that i mean that's so fascinating and right? it,
2: well, ma- well well really. both of my parents were crabs so oh, i think that, that's that a, that's a, a huge yeah, part yeah. of it right sebastian and uh right yeah, yeah. the <laughs> other famous crab, yeah, we all, the, we other crab. the other crab came
0: up that too completely I mean, I feel like especially the care about it, at least partly was generated as a thing for you. But do I mean, how do you see Twitter as a space? Do you think it's a positive? Because I feel like there's a lot of conversation in the past and also now about whether it has functional harassment policies, whether it is, whether it just from like even the briefness of tweets foments hot takes in a bad way. Do you think it's by its nature a good thing? I oh that's such a loaded <laughs> question yeah I I we don't we can cut all this yeah, out. yeah. no no no, <laughs> no this I, is yeah. it's,
1: it's great because I like I want to know what you guys think too about it yeah
0: because I, I ask that because I'm grappling with it just yeah. yeah
1: yeah I like I think the the argument that I'm kind of like interested in now is that it's just it's a space for communication and it's you're gonna get good and bad and like people are gonna use whatever mediums that they have to do good and to do bad right there is a lot to say about how like social media now is kind of gaming your attention span and gaming like the system so that you stay on it and i think it is kind of forcing takes that are like extremes yeah um, because that's kind of what attention like now attention is currency right because Mm -hmm. you're now you're competing in this like ecosystem where everyone's saying everything at all times and to kind of get anyone to pay attention to you um you you go to an extreme you're either like extremely funny or extremely racist or <laughs> right. extremely horrible or extremely good. And like, I do think it's kind of pushing you to extremes just because that's the nature of it. It's all an attention game. So I don't, I don't really know, but I, I think you can, like, I mean, people argue the negative aspects of sort of any new medium all the time. Like for sure. I, that's kind of a given no matter what. And so I, I think I accept that. And I know that I kind of agree with a lot of that stuff, but at the same time, I think I also, am trying to acknowledge that you can use it for good mm-hmm maybe the fact that there is so much bad out there um, necessitates that like people have to like actively try to make it also a positive space or also a good space that's kind yeah. of my yeah. stance on it
0: and i mean that's particularly true about every mean like uh, like when the printed word first started coming along. People said, "Oh, this is ruining people's memories. They used to be able to remember stuff, and now right. they just store it in a book, and they're stupid." And right. Like, I like books a lot. Yeah. I, I don't want to lose that at all. Yeah. You're not putting my memories in books—that's <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. not what
2: that transaction is at all.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a common argument too, right? Like, I think there was there's an argument that I, either Plato or Socrates or one of those like ancient philosophers bemoaned like the idea that people were writing instead of reading or something mm-hmm. like the fact that young people were now writing their own ideas and like putting things on paper instead of being spoken to and like learning and like having information passed to them they were like, oh, this is the death of civilization. Like, we're we're no longer going to have people learning things. We're, they're just going to all be writing stuff. And so, like, <laughs> when you, like, kind of go through all those arguments, it's an interesting thing where, like, the old method is always kind of attacking the new method. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And there's the old man in me that says, but one day it's going to be
2: right. One day, <laughs> yeah. one day it will be the wrong thing. Right. And will we be smart enough collectively to notice it? Um, yeah. But I'm also on the wrong side of 30, so... Yeah.
1: Well, I think I, 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 I find comfort yeah. in old things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think to an extent, it always is right, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, the, like TV did kind of kill radio, and and every, like every new thing is is kind of like pushing aside the old thing. So to some degree, it, it is right. right. I think we're just more resilient, hopefully, or like we adapt to like our technologies, hopefully. Yeah. 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 We'll see. I feel like you and others have found Twitter
0: to be such a creative space too. Mm-hmm. Like I also, I uh, I'm curious about your relationship to being creative across your life because I, I feel like in yeah. in the book I noticed elements of especially the hedgehog character yeah. finding art and creativity to be
1: very anxiety
0: driven driving. Yeah, a really difficult thing to handle.
1: Right. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, like I, it, it, creativity is like kind of a, the source and the solution for a lot of anxiety. Like, the other thing about, like, about multidisciplinarianism for me um, in terms of, like, the creative versus, like, academic stuff or the creative versus, like, engineering or whatever is that I've always used, like, creativity as, like, an escape from that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I've, like, I spent my whole life kind of having one foot kind of out the door from, like, the stuff that I'm studying because it helps drive me to do creative work. And so, like, I don't actually know if I can, like, be like a full-time comedy person or like Mm -hmm. be a full-time writer because I think I always need that thing to run away from in a way because like doing the book was um, I kind of wanted to do it because that was my first year of my PhD program and I felt like I was surrounded by geniuses and I was totally like out of my element and felt like an imposter felt like stressed out didn't know what I was doing and the one thing I could like have control over was like maybe working on this creative thing. Yeah. So all the pressures of, like, academia kind of forced me to find this other path that I could, like, find something positive and something interesting to do with. Cool. Well, yeah. It's weird, yeah. It's,
2: uh, it's, I have to quit and do a different job now. <laughs> and, then <I'll, laughs> no. and then I'll write a bunch of good stuff for
1: Cracked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, comedy, like, isn't isn't that kind of, like, how all comedy works in a way? Like, I don't, like, I, I would say, for me, it's in a much smaller
2: scale. Like, True. I like I have, I'm a full-time comedy person, yeah, job I'm... type human. But most what of the you writing gets away from. Sorry. What you- <laughs> Tell us, Dan. Most of the writing gets done when, like, literally running, running, or kayaking, oh, well. or biking, like doing a thing that is not sitting yeah. down and writing. Just like finding some other distraction or thing to put your brain on, and then while you're in the middle of, I don't want to brag, mile two. Oh yeah. Then, <laughs> then the ideas start showing up, and then it's like, okay, then I go home, and then you physically write it. But the yeah. Yeah. more I've had this as a full-time job, the more side things i've had to do to actually get ideas generated
1: yeah schmitty
2: i was thinking about two things you said that one
0: not to put you on blast but uh, (laughs) i believe you've done some clock making as well and that's that's so disparate from comedy to me but also i can see how going those directions would be so
2: helpful yeah you know that's right i do make clocks and lamps oh uh, and lamps yeah that's cool why don't That's I have awesome. any furniture now? No,
1: I'm just kidding. It's
2: fine. <laughs> no, I'll make you some lamps. It's fine.
1: <laughs> what's, what's appealing about, like, what, what is appealing about that to you?
2: Uh, just doing stuff with my hands, and then a thing is made Yeah. afterwards. Just, just like, oh, here's this, like, I, I uh, needed a lamp for my bedside table, and, and they didn't have one that I wanted uh-huh. So I just started looking up what are ways to make lamps, and then I built this lamp that I like. And now I have a lamp that I like a whole lot. That's and then awesome. I started making some for friends who were like, I like that lamp. I was like, ha-ha! <laughs> yeah. Then you like me! Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you laughed at my, my article, so now you love me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, but yeah, the That's idea funny. of doing that
2: on a, on a grander scale, and like none of the pursuits that I have are as time-consuming as being a Ph.D., Student. Yeah, uh,
1: that's well, I'm also yeah. a very bad PhD student. Like, I, everything takes at least like three times as long as anyone else because I'm like constantly running away and like coming back. And like, it's funny because I think like my way of like being productive is just to procrastinate on different things by working mm-hmm. on other things. Doing the book was kind of me. Um, like running away from the pressures of mm-hmm. academia. And then sometimes when the book got hard, I would be like, oh, I actually have to go like study yeah. and like do some readings and like some papers. So I have to put this aside. And so then, like, that's it's- such a lucky, healthy form of procrastination <laughs> where, where it's like, for me, the best thing I could do if
2: it's not writing is like clean my apartment. But in general, yeah. it's like, yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't feel like working on this thing. So I'm going to just stare at Twitter for nine (laughs) hours straight, and that's how I'll procrastinate on this day.
3: (laughs) Me too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And even beyond the kind of, I don't know what to call it, mental misdirection, like I think also... I keep you
2: knew of, what you wanted to call it, you
0: smooth <laughs> some of it. Yeah.
1: That was planned. <laughs> Ta-da!
3: It's
1: written on your sheet of paper right here.
3: <laughs> no, it's
0: not. I don't know if that picked up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like Steve Martin quite a bit, and I think it was in his book, but it might have been an interview. Anyway, he talks about meeting Johnny Carson and being on his show, um. and he had done a thing on the show where he had used banjo, and he was like, I know that's not totally the normal stand-up thing, Johnny. Yeah. And Johnny said, you're going to use everything. <laughs> everything you have ever learned to do, you are going to eventually draw on it for what you're doing as your main yeah, thing. And then yeah. Steve Martin said, "Like, yeah. And like, later on, I was making a movie, and I used the coin tricks I did when I was a teenager at Knott's Berry Farm. And, you yeah. know, and just every single thing ends up being – like that's you were talking so about with your interdisciplinary work. Like Everything comes together.
1: yeah. That's fascinating. And you had Dana Gould on your show recently, like in May, right? He was telling the story about how like Steve Martin's like a boring person in real life. Or just like a normal person (laughs) in real life. And I was like, Yes, wait, that's amazing. Because like I've always felt like pressure to be like on all the time and like
2: Yeah. A story that I hear repeated on the Pete Holmes show a lot is that he just stopped touring, he stopped doing stand up. Like, why'd you do that? It was lonely. It was just like you're you're in a hotel and just like by yourself for a while and I miss my friends. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're supposed to be a comedy robot
0: for my entertainment. But I, I get that. I see that. Sure,
3: you're right. You
0: didn't tell me you're a person. <laughs> hang on. Yeah, wait a minute. Hang on. <laughs> you're supposed to clear that with
2: me. You have yeah. friends. Oh, uh, Chevy Chase and, and Martin. Sure. Yeah yeah. No, I know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you just hang out and make movies like right. all the time, right? Just for my entertainment. Uh, but I mean, it's funny you mention him because he's a playwright too. Like he's written so yes. many plays. Like one of my first ways that I interfaced or like that I ever saw Steve Martin's work was in theater was in drama class in high school because he'd written a, a bunch oh. of plays I I don't remember what it was called which is horrible but he had like one about like a lady stuck in like a magic box or something
0: mm-hmm. oh I only know his Picasso one and the, a,
1: the Picasso yeah. one as well but I thought that was totally fascinating that yeah. like this wildly successful like stand-up comic and like movie star could also be Um, writing plays, and, like, I think that's kind of what, like, pushed me into doing theater, too. Like, Shel Silverstein wrote plays, too. He has, like, a bunch of short plays, and they're totally dark and, like, absurd and brilliant. I think my favorite one is, like, called... I think it's called The Birthday Gift... Um, or no, it's called The Best Daddy, and it's about a father and his daughter, and the father kind of, like, leads the daughter to, like, a thing covered by a tarp, and he's like, happy birthday, and she's like, what is it? And he's like, it's a pony, and it kind of, like, just keeps going, and, like, it cycles through, like, is it a dead pony? What's under there? Oh, no. But it's, like, totally absurd and surreal. It's, it's bizarre. It's <laughs> great. I had no idea he did that.
3: Yeah, yeah. he has a
0: great collection of them. If I if I like pigeonhole you, what would you call your book as far as what medium it is? Like, is it a novel? Is it a comic? Is it a? Because if if people haven't seen it, it's written and it also illustrated yeah. and also makes a lot of different use of
1: space on the page. And, yeah. And, uh, what would you What would you call it exactly? I've been calling it kind of like a, an adult length kids book, okay. um, yeah. or a kids book for adults. Like, it's also funny because it's hard for. I think, bookstores to categorize it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's been under science fiction just because it's an an alien, alien, right? (laughs) Which doesn't make sense to me at all. I'm like, oh, this is not a science fiction book. Just because I
0: think about him a lot, uh, because I do do another show about Kurt Vonnegut, and he he Uh, was categorized as science fiction for writing a novel that had machines in it.
3: Right, it was yeah. immediately. Oh,
0: he's a science fiction author. <laughs> the rest of his life,
1: right. before he even did stuff with it. Oh, really? Him. That's that's phenomenal. <laughs> that's like so fascinating. Yeah. Um, usually, it's like graphic novel or humor. Hmm. I guess it's like technically a graphic novel. Yeah. It's um. It's yeah. tough
2: because it's a very specific book, and I've and i for years have been angry about the humor section in bookstores yeah. because it's such a broad catch-all for like Tucker Max style frat tire and yeah. comedian memoirs and. Calvin and Hobbes yeah. and funny books. There's not really a section that is like, here are funny novels. Like, here, here is like a novel that, that is as funny as an episode of 30 Rock or anything sure. like that. Um yeah, yeah. Um, which right. is, has always been like a, a thing that drove me crazy, both when we, as a site, like had books in the humor section and also when I, as a consumer, want to get, what is like a funny book? What's a funny, yeah. I already read Jack Handy's novel. So like, yeah. what, <laughs> what, can, what can I do now? <laughs> what else is that funny? Right, yeah.
0: I do. I think that also makes it really hard for people to give us gifts because yes. then they're like, this was in the humor section. It's like, oh, yeah, I suppose it was. Huh? Oh boy!
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's totally funny that. Like, I I also didn't want the book to be kind of like a, a like a super kind of like tacky. Here's like as seen on Tumblr, or as seen on Twitter, because like right. there, I think there's there's that's a genre of humor book now where it's like, oh, something was successful on the internet. Let's just put it in yeah. book form. We'll, we'll compile all like the good tweets. Here's or, a like, table of the internet that you can like read in the bathtub. Yeah, if you exactly. Want. Like here's this person's like webcomic site that is now in but that I mean that makes more sense because there's like a tradition of like comic strips being like um, published
2: and you didn't Um, want to be in
1: that section yeah, I didn't want to be, like, hear, like, the best law cats from 2015. Right. Um, I wanted it to really be, like, a kind of a standalone thing, and I, like, don't mention, like, I don't reference Twitter. I, like, I wanted it to be just, like, a, a long, like, a long-form kind of comic book. Like, kind of like a Shel Silverstein book. That vibe totally. is certainly in there, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. 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 Like, The Missing Piece or, like, The Giving Tree, but, like, a bit longer and with, like... I mean, like, I could mm-hmm. go on about how, like, this is kind of, like, a so- like social media in the form of a book, too, because mm-hmm. it's, it's, like, ten different kind of interaction and different stories there's like 10 or 50 yeah. different characters right and the alien comes in and like meets all those characters and then gets updates from them and all those stories get interspersed with each other so it's kind of like twitter or like instagram or any social media where you get like all these different updates from different people and you're keeping track of them along the timeline yeah so it's kind of like metaphorically like that structure
3: yeah,
2: so it, it sounds is. like, Schmidt to answer your question, it's a Twitter book? He called it a Twitter yeah, book.
1: Yeah, exactly. So
3: it it's like a, like, book. It's like yeah, a website it's book. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a Twitter <laughs> book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's some bookstore in the world that has that sign on a section, oh, a <laughs> website sure, book. Yeah. Oh,
3: boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One key way, it, it is so different from just being a Twitter account, is how many characters are in it. And, yeah. and I was curious how you kind of did the process of deciding what other characters are in it because uh, yeah. I feel like the the Twitter account is it's very in the voice of Jomney and then it will where well, there will be specific other characters to serve a joke yeah like one of one of my favorite jokes of yours is about a Canadian on a date, Uh, and they say, hey, I'm a Canadian, and the date says, oh, I've never dated a comedian before, and then the Canadian just silently becomes a comedian the rest of their life. Yeah, he's like like, too polite, yeah, too polite uh, to correct them. (laughs) So there's jokes like that where there's a Canadian in it because Uh, it's specific, but how did you decide who Jomney meets and comes across and deals with?
1: I think about a third or a quarter of the book was like existing tweets and stuff. Like, it's not that much of the book that um, was online before, but... Those were all like tweets that existed, and as I was going through like my old Twitter and like taking notes and stuff on that, I was like, "Oh, there are like a few themes that I talk about there's like one about there's like a theme of like imposter syndrome and loneliness and kind of like being anxious about making things, yeah. and so I just took each of those strings and I was like, well, what's like a cool kind of character to match that with, and like what cool. kind of makes sense um, or what doesn't make sense or what's challenging like with the owl i I really like the owl because it it plays on like this." the grand kind of, like, symbolism of the owl as, like, this um, character of wisdom. And in, in the book, um, the owl is trying to live up to that expectation and, like, failing, yeah. right? Like, the owl yeah. has imposter syndrome because it's supposed to be wise and it isn't. Um, so, I, like, I wanted to play with, like, just, like, that grand tradition of, like, um, like kids' fables and, like, stories that everyone tells yeah. and, um, and kind of, like, subvert those. So each of the characters is kind of, like, a flip or, like, a, a subversion of, like, what they're supposed to be. In a way as well, so yeah, the kids element really comes through, and because uh, I've
0: seen people are coloring it,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. which is uh, phenomenal. Yeah, uh, that's really exciting.
0: <laughs> that, that goes to like what
1: Dan was saying about how like you you mark up the book and you make yeah. it your own, and I've always loved doing that, and I like I, I will support people to the ends of the earth. Yeah, absolutely. To do that, the other cool thing is like I used to like I mean every, I think every writer and every creative person starts their life as, like, a fan of other things and just, mm-hmm. like, just like does fan art or, like, does, like, things to emulate other voices and just, like, plays, right? Yeah. Certainly, like, when I started Twitter, I was, I was just reading Jack Handy all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, all his one-liners are brilliant. How do I, like, write like Jack Handy? And yeah. I think a lot of, kind of, like, comedy and, like, if, especially, like, Twitter people more into that style. Or, like, have the you Mitch read uh,
2: The Stench of Honolulu yet?
1: I haven't. Oh, man. It. <laughs> I wish I would have brought it to <laughs> just give it to you. It's, Actually, it's, I haven't either. Um, yeah. It's
2: his novel and it's it's the most jokes you could ever imagine yeah. it's so good it's yeah. really really great <laughs> it's called The Stench of Honolulu because he's, he's like solving a mystery in Hawaii and, and to him his version of Hawaii is like this filthy smelly dirty <laughs> oh it's like Gotham <laughs> or <Yeah>. something uh- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Or, like, Simon Rich, I think, writes a lot. Oh, Simon Rich is great, yeah. He's great, too. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, but, like, I mean, like, I I think as a a kid, I, like, I did art, like, I just drew magic cards, and I drew, Mm -hmm. like, drew, like, the cover of Harry Potter books, and I drew, like, Sonic a lot. And I just did, like, silly fan art. I think because I was kind of of encouraged to draw that way, that, like, led me down, like, this path of actually being interested in, Mm -hmm. like, illustration and and graphic art and stuff. And so for me, when people, like, tweet pictures of like them kind of doing fan art or coloring the book i just want to be like like this is like i see you like this is like your like thumbs up keep doing yeah. this this is the, how it starts exactly yeah. and like that that's like sometimes all the motivation you need to like kind of hold that with you and then and then like maybe in like five or ten years they become an artist or yeah. they become a creative and I, I think that's so cool to like get in on that like jumping point yeah of, of getting to support that the book is driven by so many animals
0: mm-hmm. and and because you didn't necessarily have to make a book mainly about your alien character right. deal so much in
1: wildlife, like wh- yeah. why animals. The original pitch of the book um, had a bunch of like drawings with Jomny interacting with humans. It was more, I think, it was more kind of like a webcomic style thing where like he was dropped into like a human world and then is interacting with humans and kind of put in those situations. Mm-hmm. But I guess like one, I kind of just got. Board of drawing people and and the yeah. other thing is um, hands are hard
3: yeah <laughs> exactly yeah.
1: and like faces and everything uh, <laughs> yeah but uh, apparently gloves are
0: like the easiest thing just in animation in general oh yeah, yeah, yeah exactly Because they're... I find them very hard to draw
1: <laughs> <laughs> regular animators are like nailed it oh, glove. Yeah. yeah I had like all these like these, the reference pages of, like all the different angles of hands and I was looking at like Calvin's hands from Calvin and Hobbes mm-hmm. and like Mario's hands and all the all the like and Mickey's hands a lot yeah like, the Disney kind of hands yeah. to draw um, the hands in the book. But I think to, with the animals, um, I, I wanted to create something that, like, everyone could could relate to, and I think to some extent, like, drawing humans will tend to exclude people if, like, they don't see themselves in those sure. humans, right? So, like, the way to get around that, for, I think, and that's why I think a lot of kids' books are like that, yeah. is um, you you draw animals because then anyone can kind of project themselves into it. I guess I was, like, trying to figure out the way around, like, the representation um, in in a book, so I, I just made them all animals instead. I mean, I grew up with, like, not a lot of, um, like, Asian male role models. Like, I had Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee mm-hmm. and, the, and Jet Lee. Li, all, like, all of these kung fu actors, and that was it. Like, I didn't really see huh. myself. I saw, like, Short Round and, like, mm-hmm. and Data from, like, The Goonies, um, and then, like, the very racist stereotype in Sixteen Candles. Yeah. That was yeah. kind of, like, my... That's how many people I had to look up to in the media. Like, that's who media told me I should be, you know? So, like, and so, like, I think yeah. that question is, it's difficult when you're doing a book and you you have, like, if you have human characters, it's, um, it becomes, like, something that weighs on you, I think, and that, that, that I was really aware of. And so I wanted, yeah. I wanted everyone to relate to each of these characters and, and also to the extent that like each of those characters are a different aspect of like myself and my persona and like mm-hmm. things that I think about all the time. So it made sense to me that they were all kind of, they became symbols and different like kind of animal characters and stuff.
0: As you're talking about that, I'm realizing that a lot of my favorite comics, especially online, when they have human characters, they will be totally featureless. Like yeah. Like it's just stick figures, uh. Perry Bible Fellowship will do full-on paintings of every other element oh God, of it, and yeah. then the humans are just shapes. Yeah, you know? yeah, like blobs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that that must be such a effective endpoint
1: for readers, right? Yeah, yeah I would hope. So. I hope so. Yeah, and I, it's really cool that like I never wanted like someone to be like, oh, I think I'm like this character, and then another person would be like, well, that character is a girl. You can't be that character. Like that character is yeah. a boy. Girls can't be that character. And so um, I also didn't gender any of the characters in the, in the book because I wanted everyone to kind of kind of relate, relate to everyone That's if really they could cool. or see themselves in those
2: people. Damn so. it. Not my hot take question, but my like, closing question was going to be, is the tree a boy or a girl? Because I think about it a lot. Uh-huh. And I really want to get to the bottom of it, <laughs> but I guess it doesn't matter.
1: you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> taking the wrong lessons again. Well, well <laughs> in nature, our, I don't know, trees don't have gender, right? Yeah, but yours does, and tell uh, yeah, me which one uh, it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> and the stump's a boy, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I wanted everyone to read read themselves or read yeah. whatever they wanted to, to into it. So yeah, yeah. What do you consume online just for fun? I'm on Twitter a lot. I get most of my like stuff from Twitter now. Um, I think Twitter's cool because like you also get to like follow all these like totally interesting and like diverse voices from like all, all different aspects of the world. And mm-hmm. you can get all these really cool opinions and um, insights and like perspectives. You kind of just have to look. Right. Yeah. So- Watching the blossoming
2: friendship of you and Lynn Manuel Miranda from Hamilton was yeah. really fun for me as a fan of both your work and like this this strange intersection of things that yeah, are important and <laughs> inspiring to me. It's like, oh, and they're buddies. Oh, good. That was oh, good. yeah. That That's was... a good Twitter day. <laughs> a, fa- a, a founding father and an alien.
3: Yeah, exactly. Who could have imagined. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that was um, equally as amazing to me. Yeah. Like, being, <laughs> being the other person in that in that relationship. Well, like one of the cool things about well, like there's a tweet by a user named Linzita. This is also from like weird Twitter days, mm-hmm. like prime weird Twitter. But she said. I think she wrote something like Twitter's cool because it's like reading 100 different books at the same time and all the characters interact with each other. And mm-hmm. it's kind of yeah. cool because you yeah. have all these like ideas of all these different people and then you see them tweet at each other mm-hmm. and you're like, whoa, this is like a crossover episode, but it happens like all the time." And that's that's really cool. That's something you don't get yeah. in almost any other medium, right? So it's, it's really cool when like I I get to talk to Lin or like when two like users that I didn't know know each other kind of just like interact. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the best. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
2: I do often, especially on days like today. For anyone listening, we are recording this on August twelfth. It is the day of the Charlottesville, Virginia rally yeah. slash attack yeah, slash everything that <laughs> yeah everything horrible that has happened while we were recording this that we've missed that is right. worse than the other stuff that might have happened yeah. or all the amazing great things. Yeah. Um, but on days like this, on Twitter, these are days where I want to be informed and and active and help yeah. and also take a break. And there's no room for that. Like I, I almost wish Twitter had a now let me just click this button, and I'm in weird Twitter, for example, yeah, or or uh, in like non everything Charlottesville going Twitter. On. Yeah, like I, yeah. I I want to give as much support as I can. But you wake up and you turn on Twitter, and uh, there's like oh, this is a whole lot more Nazi iconography than I want to look at. Yeah, at eight o'clock in the morning, and right. uh, yeah, I don't know. That's my pitch for can, can, <laughs> I, can I can I also like switch over to nice Twitter or like right. head in the sand <laughs> Twitter, which is what we're actually talking about, or how you deal yeah. with twitter on days like this because i spend more time on it when there's really depressing news i just get caught in yeah. a loop unless i can like push myself out the door right. and and be in the sun for a while and i'm curious how you guys yeah deal. yeah if we if we weren't taping this, I would still be
0: in bed reading it. Yeah, right yeah. Now. We're taping not in the morning, and uh, <laughs> this morning that was just what I was doing. And then yeah. I was like, no, no, I need to get ready to go talk to Johnny. Here. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Me too. Like on the on the lift
1: here, I like I like I was gonna look up the address for the studio, and I just put in like the general region that. I don't know if like, oh. that's <laughs> anonymous for me to say, but I just put in like just the like region. the town. Yeah. yeah I was like <laughs> here's this is the area I'm going to, and I just put that in Lyft, and I was like I'll, fig- I'll find the email on the phone, but as soon as I got in the Lyft, I was like just on Twitter and looking at all this stuff, and like I was excited for this, and I still like am and yeah. was and everything, but as I was on Twitter, I was just like, oh, like how I don't know how we can like talk about anything else And there's like part of it is that like negative attention gaming thing that social media does, but also like this is not like a normal thing right to happen so it is also just like a horrific thing yeah and i think like having people talk about it in real time is like really helpful Mm -hmm. for me to like hear all the perspectives and to kind of hear like, not that I need convincing, like, I, that, sounded, that sounded weird. All the perspectives, just, Johnny, speak on yeah. that. <laughs> like, like when we got here, like um, Trump just said, from from many sides. Yeah, But I, <laughs> I didn't mean that. I mean yeah. like, what are like all the different ways this is horrible? Like what are all the different ways um, this evil is like affecting um, everyone? And I don't know. I think it helps... You stay educated i guess i do too like i certainly i said head in the sand earlier
2: and that's and that's what you run the risk of doing like they're yeah. like i'm not advocating anyone be in the business of this isn't happening or like yeah. i'm gonna block out anything that doesn't bring me positivity yeah. i don't think that's the healthy way to go either i think for my specific brain chemistry i will trap myself oh, in these absolutely things. like too. like i will yeah, yeah. get educated get outraged and then just get numb and still yeah. stare at it like i think yeah. about oh forgive me Arch Beagleman, he's uh, got a comic I can't remember what it was called, but he just does pages of after 9/11 where he's just in front of the TV forever and yeah. he couldn't tear himself away. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that way sometimes. Like yeah. I a while ago got Twitter off my phone and I was like, "How brave of me? That's great." Now yeah. I won't do Twitter. And smash cut to Saturday morning. I'm just sitting on my couch with my computer in front of me. Yeah, uh, which is like that's not better. That's that's like at least. With it on my phone, I could be, like, miserable outside or something.
3: (laughs) Just sitting in my cave
2: of an apartment.
1: Yeah. Just mainlining depressing news. I think there's, like, the advantage of knowing, and then the, like, when it's too far, you're not getting anything new. You're just, like, repeating the stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of like where the tiny carebot thing came from. Was yeah. oh, that's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Not now. Not now, tiny carebot. <laughs> How we can talk about breathing at a time like this? <laughs> um, but part of that was kind of like oh, like like recognizing like this might like this is kind of like a spell. Like I'm under a spell right now, and if there's something that can just break it for a little bit, have a little bit of time like to look away and then come back and like feel a bit more able to like kind of deal with it. But I also don't know. And, like, we're also, we also get to, like, look at this on the phones and not, like, be there. And right. so there's, like, the guilt aspect, too, where you're, like, well, what else, like, can I do? Like, and I saw sure, some yeah. I saw someone tweet just before I, like, got out of the car saying, like, the primitive kind of, like, lizard part of your brain thinks that, like, constant attention is somehow helping. Yeah. But it, it's, to some degree, it's not, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, just the attention part of your brain being, like, I'm going to get sucked into this. Yeah. I'm not advocating to like not look at this stuff either, right? Cause, right, certainly, yeah. because
2: cause every, for every uh, swastika that you have to look at on a day that you don't want to and every, like, bout of violence, you can see also Sarah Benincasa has very helpfully compiled a list of, like, here are some places in Charlottesville you can donate right now that right. would probably really piss off Nazis. Absolutely, And, and yeah. she's, like, exhaustively went through and, like, and here's who you call for this, and here's yeah. if you don't have yeah. money to donate, but you yeah. still want to do X, Y, Z, and it's just, like... Yeah, this is good. There are helpers. There are are always people doing the right thing that you can
0: look at and find.
1: Like before Twitter or like without Twitter, you'd you'd like leave it up to like the news or like Mm -hmm. those gatekeepers to like tell you what was important to pay attention to. And like I think we're in like this state where like I don't know how like where we stand on the pendulum of like not having the gatekeepers and getting, like, everything directly from, like, the people that you follow who, like, dis- like who, like, think this is important to talk about. Mm-hmm. That might be too much right now, or it might be the right amount, or it might, I, like, I don't... Yeah. yeah I don't know what happens when you, like, remove those traditional media and you're getting all your news from, from social, right? Yes.
0: Yeah. It is tricky to figure out, like, how much we as people want that kind of flood, you know yeah. what I mean? Want that experience? Like, uh, a few weeks back, we had an episode about pre-internet life. Yeah. And uh, one of our colleagues, Ann Smiley, worked at a newspaper before the internet was widespread. Oh, cool. okay. And she said that one of the most exciting things about it was that being in a newsroom you got to have what we all have now. You got to know what was going on all of the time. And you got to talk to other interesting people about what was happening all of the time. And I think psychologically, like you said, we really feel good to feel like we know everything, Mm -hmm. even if it, I don't know, I don't know how heavily or well it's been studied, but it's having some kind of effect on us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's arguments from all sides on like how good or bad this kind of like the state we're in right now with social media is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm frequently convinced by both sides of that argument.
2: Oh, yeah. Like yes. I would say uh, yeah. that, oh, in Ann's time, in in before, there were people, smart news people, who were like, this is what they're ready to hear, and they would give it to us, and yeah. we were good for it. Right. And then someone could say, you didn't elect those people to decide what news yeah. you get uh-huh. and how you get it. And like, hey, that guy's right, too. <laughs> <laughs> who else, who else <laughs> wants a shot? Hey.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: as far as studying what this is doing, like, in your... Work at MIT. Are yeah. you and/or colleagues uh, looking into this? Like, because I've tried to just generally Google as a person. Like, I, I think about that dilemma you're talking about, Daniel, and I'm like, well, maybe I can find data. Maybe data will help yeah. me figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I'm either bad at Google or it's not out there right. uh, in a very concrete feeling way. Yeah,
1: like, I think a lot of it is just like kind of hidden or like buried in like books that that don't break mainstream, right? Like uh, like journals and journals and, yeah. or even just like academic books or um, okay. just like I'm trying to read that stuff. There's the funny thing about like data is that um or data is I'm Canadian, I don't know how to pronounce it. I never know how to pronounce anything
3: okay so <laughs> I, I trust you yeah
2: uh, <laughs> and I were talking about this recently. we both had like lifetimes <laughs> of reading books and speaking to no one, yeah, yeah, and then the first time it was like hey check out that Iguana it's Iguana <laughs> I've only known books right. I'm sorry well, so, like, there,
1: there, I, I saw a great tweet about that that was like never make fun of someone who like mispronounced something because it means they like learned it from reading <laughs> like what like how what more noble like thing would you do than like to learn a word from reading something and just like try to say it because yeah. you read it like, yeah, it, like yeah. that's such a cool phenomenon <laughs> but um but like with, with data there's like a um, there's a like a Meta conversation where it's like, oh, like data isn't the the solution either. For a while, data was like, oh, like now we have the data, now we can like we can crunch the numbers and this will tell us the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then a, a bunch of social scientists came in and was like, well, like who's collecting the data? What platforms are collecting it? What are the terms? Like, what are you not capturing? What questions aren't you asking? And so now data's is flawed, right. and so now yeah. it's swinging back to like I think social science being. Even more Cause that Because yeah. some of the
0: limited write-ups and data I can find, I, I look in the details of it, and, and it's like, this random company interviewed
2: 400 people. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, well, that
0: doesn't mean anything. And yeah, also, yeah, exactly. for
2: like, the specific worries that I have, I don't even know what study or like how to Google it, because my, my question is like, hey, this uh, previously unprecedented way of life that I'm doing right now, is
1: this going to be bad long-term? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and then you get to the point where, like, publishing, like, everything else, you want the extreme viewpoint. Sure. There's no, like, there's less room for nuance. You either have, like, to come up with a book that all the studies say, like, technology is horrible or, like, completely celebrate it, and then we're just back to where we always are. We're just always confused. <laughs> um, yeah, and and I think, like, for me, at this point, like, studying doesn't really, like, trying to figure out all these, like, different viewpoints is... It's just like a lot of information, and I don't. I think there are like specific camps that I, um, schools of thought that I I would fall into. Mm-hmm. I'm more on the like technology is kind of good or neutral, um, and people are just bad, and only know. some it, of them too. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a ground, uh, like a, a groundbreaking book that when when it came out, it was um, by Dana Boyd, and it's called It's Complicated, and okay. she's um, she was a researcher who in the face of, like, all these arguments that, like, the internet is, like, destroying kids and, like, bad for teenagers and stuff, she actually just went and traveled the country and, like, hung out with a bunch of teenagers while they were on their phones. And, like, she's a, she was a social scientist and she just hung out with them and, like, <laughs> saw their habits and, like, talked to them and, like, figured out, like, what they knew and, like, it, like, her general conclusion was, like, they're going to be fine. Like, they've, they've figured it out more than the parents have, right? Like, they've, mm-hmm. they've like, kind of figured out their own like social rules and structures and they know how to deal with this stuff. And yeah, and it's, it's going to be fine for the most part, <laughs> which is like, which was a very, I think like, um, groundbreaking opinion at that time.
0: Which is amazing. Cause it, yeah, if there's two things, every generation freaks out about it's new media and the previous generation. Right. Like it's, 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 yeah. They're both Armageddon. Every yeah. time
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. You're working on so many different kinds of creative projects, and I, I assume you uh, don't feel particularly limited. Limited, but is there anything you've been meaning to do that has either felt out of reach, or, or you think, oh, if I had this and that, I would tackle that?
1: Yeah, growing up, I always wanted to just um, to like write either for TV or to write TV or like movies and films. Like I like I grew up basically like TV and movies were like my childhood, mm-hmm. like video games partially, but. I always turned to like watching movies with my family basically. And I don't like my parents were this is kind of a tangent but like my parents are immigrants they came from China and so my brother and I were like born in Canada and I think we all like kind of would sit on the couch every night and like watch a movie that we got from Blockbuster which for listeners at home, <laughs> was there, well, there was, like, a thing called VHS. Yeah. <laughs> you used to have to go to a place yeah. and ask a child right? If yeah. they had The Shadow or whatever. <laughs> Man,
2: Dan, pick a different movie.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, like our, our, like, our ritual was, like, every weekend we'd go to Blockbuster, get, like, a bunch of movies, and just watch them all. And so, like, I grew up around the shrine of, like, of TV and, and film, and so I've always mm-hmm. wanted to, like, be in that world. So that's kind of what I'm I'm trying to – that's what I want to do next in some way. So that's cool. for, like, anyone listening yeah. who is willing to help right. out. Right. <laughs> yeah. I have no doubt that you're going to do that while also
2: <laughs> building
1: houses – yeah, hopefully. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there goes the fastest architect. They'll say, and then <laughs> we <with> the big house. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, like, I, I <laughs> like. The other thing I wonder about is like, to some extent, like the more stuff you do, the more it it. It like pigeonholes you into the stuff that you've already done, right? Oh no! <laughs> but isn't that true? Like, isn't like no, I think I, I, I understand. <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think having put out this book means like people will be like, oh, well, he's like in the comic illustrator thing, mm-hmm. so he can't do all this other stuff. And I think it's like constantly the struggle to like continue to like do work that forces you into a box by the nature of having work done. Yeah, well, I feel like you're wisely
2: diversifying pretty early by by also doing stage plays like that I'm that's trying, that, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, immediately you're you're different from what i would describe as like a web comic artist sure. or anything like that yeah, you're, yeah. you're instantly in a in a in a different
1: category i'm i'm trying like i yeah. mean that's very intentional too and it's also just like i i don't like get interested in mediums i think or like i don't get i'm not interested in like a specific medium i'm like interested in an idea and then like what is the medium um that like is kind of like the coolest to do this in or like the most right. challenging or whatever so cool yeah where can people
0: find you? Uh, I suppose your Twitter account, but anywhere beyond
1: that, on Twitter and Instagram, uh, I'm at Johnny Sun, J O N N Y S U N, and then my book is called "Everyone's an Alien When You're an Alien Too," um, and it's in book. It should be in bookstores everywhere, or like in most places, or in Damn some right. places.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Shmitty and I have both definitely read it for our listeners, and we both endorse it. It's a phenomenal book. Really enjoyed it. It's a yeah. second. Person in my life who's gotten me to really give a damn about a tree oh, yeah. in a very like emotionally <laughs> invested way. And the yeah, first
0: anyway. one was me. <laughs> Mr. Trees. Yeah. Folks, that's the episode for this week. My thanks to Daniel O'Brien and to Johnny Sun, and my thanks to you for sticking around. For footnotes, we tried to link every awesome. we talked about I think there are a lot of them there's everything from Milkshake Duck to Drill's Betsy Ross Museum Joke to the comic strip Perry Bible Fellowship it's not a Bible thing it's kind of a gag title Uh, We also linked proof that aircraft carriers are like floating towns right down to having their own Starbucks and barbershop, and more from there. Please bug me on Twitter, at Alex Schmidty if there's anything you're not seeing a link to or confused about. Also, there's one point in the episode where I talked about the hedgehog in Johnny's book that's one of the animal characters. I can't link you to that because it's in the book, but... Let me read you a couple hedgehog quotes about creativity that jumped out to me going into this. Uh, This is the hedgehog talking to the main character, who is Alien Jomney. Quote, If art is supposed to inspire, then why does it make me feel like an empty room? Also a quote from the hedgehog, One of the most frustrating things about being creative is that the more you care about something, the harder it is to do. And I think both those concepts are really, really relatable for a lot of creative people. And I think talking to Johnny helped me think about how to deal with those kinds of worries and anxieties and so on, because they are manageable and hopefully it helped you too. Other stuff to know. Johnny is doing live events this fall in Boston, Toronto, Austin, and elsewhere. You can check his Twitter or check his website's calendar at com slash events for more. That's jomnysun.com. and he's at Johnny Sun because, hey, aliens, humans, what's the line, you know? Speaking of live events, on September 9th, Cracked is doing live podcasts on both coasts of the United States. We are taking over America in a very gentle podcasting fashion. Here's how. September 9th, 1130 a.m. at the Javits Center in Manhattan, we're doing a live Cracked podcast at the Now Hear This Festival. In New York, I'll be joined by our own Michael Swaim and Brett Rader along with Nagin Farsad from Earwolf's show, Fake the Nation. Really good show. Also, Carolina Hidalgo from Cave Comedy Radio, and Claudia Kogan from Last Comic Standing. It's an amazing panel talking about real science that we think would make an amazing science fiction movie, or science fact movie, I suppose. Either way, single-day and three-day festival passes are still available at nowhearthisfest.com. and if you use promo code CRACKED, you get 20 bucks off of a full festival pass just because we're buddies. Meanwhile, September 9th at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, Tom Ryman and Abe Bapper Center at UCB Sunset in L.A. doing the first-ever live episode of Cracked Movie Club. First-ever live show. Tom and Abe will be joined by Carmen Angelica and Soren Bowie. And we're very excited to announce this. Since September is Catherine Bigelow Month on Cracked Movie Club. They do a different director every month, if you don't know. This live episode in Catherine Bigelow Month will be about Point Break. Point Break, the 1991 movie, combining Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, bank robberies, Nixon masks, and 100% pure adrenaline bromance surfing. That's the live show. Tickets are on sale now on UCB Sunset's website. That sells out pretty much every month, so go ahead and get one fast if you'd like to see it. So Cracked Podcast in New York, Cracked Movie Club in LA, all on September 9th. You can't miss those shows if you're in either of those cities. And if you're not near those cities, tweet at me with where we should do a live show. We have a big spreadsheet keeping track of those requests. Right now, Toronto is neck and neck with Seattle. And everybody else is trailing. Get on it. Pick up the pace, Omaha. Get to it, Tallahassee. I can't think of a third city name. You get it. Anyway, in other news, there's lots of new podcasting going on here. Our brand new podcast, Crack Gets Personal, has amazing stories told by regular people collected by our incredible hosts, Robert Evans and Brandon Johnson. That's right. Rick and Morty's own Mr. Goldenfold, Brandon Johnson. He hosts a Cracked podcast along with the head of our personal experience team, Robert Evans. You can hear that wherever you listen to podcasts. We are also launching a new show next month in September. Hear that by building a time machine or by being patient. Uh, more, more news about that soon. It's going to be great. And as far as this episode goes, our theme music is Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. Hear them on Daptone Records. Our episode was engineered and co-produced by Brett Rader. Find Brett at Brett, R-A-D-E-R, on Twitter. And if you loved this episode, oh man, that's great. If you hated it, let me know about it on social media. That's right, social media, the thing Taylor Swift used all the time, then stopped using, then came back to with a bunch of weird footage of snakes. Find me in a snake-free corner of Twitter. They're terrifying. Under the name at Alex Schmidty, I'm also on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. And I'm happy to say we'll be back next week with more Cracked Podcast. How about that? Talk to you then. This podcast was brought to you by Alfred A. Knopf, publisher of Seance Infernal, a riveting and deliciously unsettling debut novel. Am I still trailer skilled? Am I still doing this well? I hope so. Which follows movie memorabilia dealer Alex Whitman as his search for a lost film takes him down a rabbit hole of dangerous secrets, curious riddles, and a deadly mystery. Scott Smith, author of The Ruins, calls Seance Infernal a whipsaw ride, but always good, giddy fun. That sounds fun. Learn more about it by visiting prh.com slash S-E-A-N-C-E for Seance. Hey, I'm Brian Safi. And I'm Erin Gibson, and our show Throwing Shade just moved to Earwolf. We take a look at women's issues and LGBT issues and make them real stupid. We make them real dumb. You'll be very insulted by what we have to say. And we have great guests, so come listen to us. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. We also talk about clip-on earrings a lot. Where to get a great facial. And wigs. And a lot of wigs. It's everything you ask for and nothing you ask for. All of the same package.
1: This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content,
3: visit Earwolf.com.